0: Welcome to the Leading on Purpose podcast with Jackie, where you will hear stories of passion, purpose, and leadership designed to inspire you to live your best life. So let's get started. Dear God, thank you for everyone that is listening to this podcast and for our guests. I ask that you give everyone favor and help them live their best life. Keep this in mind. You will never influence the world by being just like it. So be yourself, be authentic, because the world needs you. Now let's hear from our guest. Hi, I am so excited. And I say this every time I do one of these podcasts, but I really, really mean it to have my guest today. And that is Spencer Curtis. And we are going to talk about leading with empathy. How are you, Spencer?
1: I'm doing great. How are you today?
0: Good. You know, Spencer, you're the second Spencer that I had a chance to to interview. I interviewed another Spencer about mm, a couple of months ago. So you are my second Spencer. <laughs>
1: well, you know what? That is rare. I don't know many Spencers, but when I do run into one, I only ask one question. Is he cool?
0: Yes, he is.
1: (laughs) Okay, okay. So that that works for me.
0: (laughs) Yes, he is. Well, I'm going to start off with a question. I typically start these podcasts off with a question regarding the pandemic. And unfortunately, it still has not come to an end. So until it comes to an end, I think I'm going to continue to start my, my podcast with a question. So my question for you about the pandemic, is what were a few happy moments that you experienced during the pandemic? Uh,
1: you know, I think, first of all, I think um, I've been very fortunate. Um, I, as I, I explain to people, and even when I talk to my parents, I always tell them, you know, I don't have any more problems today than I had two years ago. And there are many people who can't say that. So I, I have nothing to complain about. But I will tell you, Um, it has been a great opportunity to really slow things down. I mean, I spend more time cooking with my wife, more walks with the dog, probably not the best for my waistline. I need to be more mindful of that. But uh, it does, it has given me an opportunity to reflect on on what's important. And and I say that because if you think pre-pandemic, you know, I had a two-hour commute, one way, one hour there, one hour back, or more, depending on time of day. And when you get into that Every day hustle and bustle, and we just keep moving through, and then we we forget small little things, and this gave me an opportunity to really slow down and be more thoughtful about what I'm doing, what I need to do for myself um, and and it's it, it's been good for me, I'll say
0: that okay, that's great, so slowing down. More cooking with your wife, more walks with the dog. So hopefully that combination together will keep your waistline where you want it to be, right?
1: (laughs) Well, I need to do a little more walking, probably running, but we're we're working on that right now. We're working on that.
0: Okay. Well, I want you to start off by um, telling the listeners a little bit about yourself. Now, I mean, not so much just what you do, your career, Mm -hmm. we're going to definitely get to that, but just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: You know, that, I'm glad you asked that, because I didn't know if you wanted me to talk about my personal or my professional, because, you know, I, I want to be authentic as one and the same person. So I, I would start off, um, I'm a, a son of a a um, soldier, um, and I would travel a lot growing up. Um, you know, a few things that you know about me, and I'll, I'll get to, I was also a single parent most of of my adult life. I had children at a very young age. I was a, a parent of twin daughters at 18 became a single parent at 19. And, um, you know, true to form being a a military child, there are things that I was going to do. And um, with that, it it was a lot of difficulty and a lot of toughness there. But I was able to finish college on time to move forward in life and, and move forward with my daughters. And um, through that I've had the opportunity to do a lot of things professionally and personally. And um, I, I would say from a professional perspective, you know, we've had the opportunity to move four or five times together. Um, that was challenging in and of itself, but it taught me a lot about resilience and what it takes, uh, you know, to be a single parent. And, and I know there are a lot out there, and it's not easy for sure, but um, that, that's a, a big piece of, of who I am and has defined me in a lot of ways. But um, and I think beyond that, from a professional perspective, you know, I've been in the pharmaceutical industry for 20, 25 years or so. We're going to keep that between ourselves. I think that's the right number. Um, also a medical device. And over that time, at least half of those years, I was leading either sales teams or functional teams um, from a home office perspective. I worked at four large pharma companies, one large device company. And, you know, the last five years, things have changed for me dramatically in a good way, and this is one of those situations where you know your career and/or life could take a turn that you weren't anticipating. That turns into something that becomes very fruitful for you. So, you know, as you're aware, you know, I had the opportunity to build a leadership development platform nearly from the ground up at an organization with the help of many people and the guidance of others. I can never said did that alone, but that experience, which I didn't expect to have, led to other experiences. I had the opportunity to work and live in Japan, which taught me a lot about um, what it means to be an American, for, for, one and for first and foremost, but more importantly, it taught me how to be a, a, a good um, human being, you know, because you think more about what we know as life as we have grown up here, but to see it from the perspective of others who live in different cultures, different parts of the world and different circumstances. Um, It it has been such a a blessing that we can talk more about for sure. The past few years, I've I've had the opportunity after coming back to the States um, to work in strategy roles um, at the organizational level. And that has also changed me a bit because I've had the opportunity to see things from a lens that few people get to see and, and give me the opportunity to not only look at what's before me, but also reflect and understand why decisions are made and how people play a part in all the things that we do. And um, it, it's been real special. So um, I hope I haven't said too much, but, you know, that that's who I am.
0: Now, that, that's great, Spencer. I, I want to unpack a couple of things that you said. I'm actually going to go back to what you mentioned about um, being a single parent um, at an early mm-hmm. age and things that you, you were going to do being um, the son of, of someone from the military. So what were some of those early lessons that you learned that you have now applied to, to, your, to your life and your career?
1: Um, I'll I'll have to start with discipline. So you know, as you would imagine, um, being a son, a, a military child, you're gonna have a lot of discipline. That's not necessarily the case, but in our family, it is. And I also had a, I, I want to call a military mom, but she wasn't in the military, but she ran a military at home. So both of my parents are very tough and instilled uh, values that still to this day are important to me. One accountability to discipline and 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 i'll even stop there because what that what that meant was if you're going to do something you're going to do it well if you're gonna do not only going to do it well you're going to be accountable for what you do whether it works out or not and so those things have guided me through life and and i think what that really gives you is resilience you know we all have to think through life isn't always what we expected it to be and i even think of you and i think about that if you don't see what you want make what you make it what you want to see and so i think sometimes we have to do that in life as well
0: oh that's great and congratulations on your success of Raising twin daughters, you know, alone as a single parent, obviously, like you said, there's a lot of single parents out there and I don't think anyone would say that's an easy job to have. So, you know, congratulations. And you definitely have had a successful career as well, Spencer. So a lot to be proud of. And I'm sure your parents are very proud of you.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I I think raising um, children is probably one of the most difficult things you'll do and rewarding things that you do as as an adult, for sure. Um, But thank you for that.
0: You're very welcome. So our our topic today is around leading with empathy. So I want you to share a little bit about actually you know I'm going to back up for a minute Spencer before we jump there I want to share I want you to share a little bit more about what you're currently doing so you you mentioned about your last few years some of the different experiences that you've had but can you just share a little bit more about what you're currently doing now
1: yeah um, and you know it, it's I have a, if you can see me I have a smile on my face cuz um, it's an exciting role the organization I work for now we're in the process of standing up a digital business unit and the reason Reason for that is we believe that we are in a point in time in history where technology and healthcare are inseparable. And if you don't believe that, I, I, and I can't see what you're wearing, but I would imagine somewhere on you you have some technology of some sort right now. Some kind on, of a. You, you're, there you go. So you got your heartbeat, all those things. We're already living in a world where you can get all your vitals. You don't need. You don't need to go anywhere for that. It's just how do we link that to the care that you're receiving? We feel that where we are now is a small step and where healthcare is going in the future, they will be inseparable. And so with that being said, you know our goal as an organization is to be a pioneer in this space by 2025, to be a leader in this space by 2030. The exciting part about that is, I can't tell you where we're going because we don't know what technology will be available even next year. So our primary focus is understanding from a strategy perspective, What capabilities do we need to build that will enable us to be that leader in 10 years or to be seen as a pioneer in five? And so for me, I think, you know, traditional pharmaceutical business is exciting, but to be a part of something from the very beginning is even more exciting. It's a lot of work, um, but exciting. Um, Currently, we started with a staff of about four or five, you know, we've doubled in size already and looking to do more. And quite frankly, from my perspective, as I look at our book of work of what we're trying to accomplish, all we need over the next two or three years is one good decision, one good bounce, and we, are, we will become overrun with work uh, and opportunity very easily. So a lot of good things happening in this space from a, a strategic partnering perspective. And if you think about it, and, and I don't know if you check, you have a, a look On the internet at the number of mental health or wellness apps that have been created in the last two years and the pandemic helped with that as well but i think we are just beginning to get started in this space and there'll be more to come and i do think we will live in a world where the healthcare and technology will be inseparable
0: yeah just like you you said about the mental health definitely the pandemic has taken a toll on on probably everyone's mental health to a Mm. certain degree and um yeah, there's definitely a lot of focus on that. And and
1: mm-hmm. we're not out.
0: We're not out of the the pandemic yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully the future is definitely brighter from that perspective. We're getting there, but there's still mm-hmm. a ways to go. And there's a lot that we've learned over the last couple of, you know, year and a half now that I'm sure we need to take into the future. So that's one of the things well, that worries me sometimes is that people mm-hmm. are not going to take what has been learned over the last year. And then as we start to transition back into offices and doing things as it was before that we're not gonna take some of those learnings. That's something that really concerns me because it's gonna be a huge missed opportunity.
1: I, I agree and I, and I have to tell you that with my, my buddies and, and you know, my friends are you know, masculine guys. I've never had more conversations about mental health mm-hmm. and taking care of yourself than I've had in the last year and even I think when we go back to work I think we're finding that there, we don't know what work will look like in the future because what we found is that we we probably could do the work from home there's also a piece of that that you need to have those hallway conversations and so I think you know somewhere in the middle will land but I think within that we're all going to be thinking more about our health overall health and well-being and what that has done to us so how do we find that balance so I think it's a good thing I really do
0: absolutely I totally agree So with the work that you're doing, Spencer, and just in general, right now, I think great leadership is more important than ever. I mean, it's always important, but it's definitely more important than ever right now. Um, How do you describe great leadership? What does that look like to you?
1: I thought a lot about this question. And I have to tell you, from my perspective, I'm immediately reflecting on leaders that I have respected, have been willing to do anything for, and if I hadn't felt that way, they wouldn't be top of mind for me. And I think it, it's a few things. One, being authentic, having the courage to be authentic, and then having empathy. And I, I did a little bit of research, and I hope you don't mind, because I, I, I was really thinking through this. And you know, there are three types of empathy. There's cognitive empathy, when you're simply knowing how other people feel, or you think they know what they're thinking. Emotional, when you feel the physical along with another person. It's almost like the emotions are contagious and then there's compassion that's when not only do you understand a person's predicament and feel with them but also feel spontaneously moved to help if needed those are the leaders that you'll walk through walls for and i've seen a few of those uh, in my time and not only here in the u.s but also in japan and i think that compassion is something that we all need to, to feel not even if we're leading an organization but even in our personal lives, I think is extremely important.
0: So, so let's, again, break that down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like in practice, in your opinion? What does leading with empathy look like in practice? You mentioned that you think about some of the leaders that have influenced you. What are some of the things that they do that help you see that they're an empathetic leader?
1: I think the most important thing is always trying to put yourself in the shoes of others. Um, it's, it's always one thing for us to to deal with the story we tell ourselves. And we all tell ourselves stories when we're leading people or teams or even at home. But if we can just stop and take a moment to reflect and put ourselves in the shoes of other people, it may change the way we respond, the way we, the way we behave. And to me, that makes all the difference in the world. And the way that plays out from a work perspective, if you think about, I I work with a lot of people who always say the right thing, a lot of them who say the right thing, but the ones that are special are the ones who take the time to do the right thing. It's very different. Having those conversations, getting to know you on a personal level, understanding what's important to you and helping you find a way to reach your goals, because at the end of the day... I think that's what that's what what's most important to me is how do we make others better and I think the answer in that is a deeper understanding not only of self but of others
0: and so so that's a very, very clear example putting yourself in the in the shoes of of other people and really getting to know people and that's obviously very consistent with what. I've heard from a number of people that I've interviewed, the literatures out there that really support that. I firmly believe in that. So that's very, very clear. What do you think gets in the way of leaders being empathetic leaders?
1: I think the simple answer is we ask an awful lot of each other. We, we are, I'm not going to say overrun with work, but I think, I do think we do more than we should from a work perspective. And it's not just leaders, it's everybody. I think we, that the span of control has grown over the years. We're asked to do more. We spend less time developing. I think that it's just the the bombardment of continual work is the thing. And so at the end of the day, what is it? It's time. So we're doing more and more and more. We have less time to spend connecting with others, less time to spend developing our skills, less time reflecting on our own actions and how we can be better to help others better. And more importantly, if I don't have the time to reflect on my own thoughts and actions, how much time do I have to reflect and think of others' thoughts and actions. I think it's a function of time.
0: So it's a function of time. And you're right. I, I, I think about most people, when you hear about their day, they're like, especially in this virtual environment, they're on Zoom calls, Microsoft Teams calls, whatever calls, whatever mm-hmm. platform they're using from like the morning to the end of the day. I mean, you can it, consistently hear that from people. But obviously, we all make our own schedules. You know, and so everyone has the opportunity to use their time how they see it best fits them and benefits them and the people that they have the privilege of, of leading. So, how do you think people can get away from saying that it's time and, get, and move to action? What are some things that you'd recommend that people actually do?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's a tough question because really what you're getting at is impact. How do we have more impact? And it's a personal question because if you think about, for example, the statistics on how much TV we watch in America. Well, the reality is all of us, most of us, and me included, and I'm working on it, we spend significant amount of time watching TV every day. And I have a job and I still watch a fair amount of TV. So if you think about the simple things that we do that really eat up our time, I think you'll find more time. So that, that's the first thing. Um, that's on a personal level for me. But I think from a work perspective, I think we need to, be to, to to use better judgment with the meetings we attend. Do we have to be there? And I know that you, you've, you've spent some time talking through this as well. Do you have to be on meetings and meetings from sunup to sundown every single day? Is it, is it essential? I, maybe, maybe not. But I, I do think that busy people who are at peace and calm, have found a way to spend more quality time doing more high-impact activities. Now, that could be more delegating. It could be more autonomy of letting the people work for you, make their own decisions. It could be better hiring. There are a lot of reasons, I think. But I think it starts with, one, do we have to, do we have to be in meetings back-to-back all day long? And, and I need to ask myself that question, too. And then even in my personal time, what am I doing with that time? Because there's always opportunities for us to do a little bit more. The other thing that I would mention that I've learned in my current role, uh, my manager uh, is a really, really early riser, earlier than you would imagine. And what I've come to realize is by, by him getting up so early, he has so much personal time to do deep, deep work, to think about his thoughts. And I, I think there's something to that. So what I'm working on now is really making sure I get enough rest, making sure I'm eating right, making sure I'm getting up early me first getting up and making sure i'm taking care of myself and then using some of that time to really think through wh- how can i have more impact yeah
0: you, you touched on several really key things one that again all of my podcast guests have focused on is taking care of yourself as a leader first you know you say getting the rest eating well and then having that time to reflect and to mm-hmm. think um, I'm working on something right now, and that's one of the things that I'm really focused on is how I can ensure that in my day and in my week, I'm taking more time to think because I know I'm really personally at my best when I have that time to think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do own my schedule. You know, it's up to me to block time, and I'm only going to be more productive. For the organization, for myself first, and then within the organization. But I do find that people struggle with that. They struggle a lot with that. And, you know, that would be my my call out to everyone that's listening Mm -hmm. to this is you own your schedule. I mean, I've been working for close to 30 years and I've never heard anyone say I have too much time in my day just to think. Never, ever have I ever heard that. But I Mm -hmm. consistently hear I'm so busy. I don't have time to do maybe the things that I want to do. So we can't rely on the company to change it for us. We have to take that ownership ourselves mm-hmm. as leaders and as individuals, because, it, you know, it, it's not up to the company. It's up to you as an mm-hmm. individual. Yeah,
1: I, I agree. Um, and it's, it's not an easy thing. I mean, there are lots God. of books out there. In fact, I was listening to a Blinkist. and I can't even tell you what article it was, but that's where and it was talking about the amount of time we spend doing things that are unproductive. I think you got to take an inventory. That's the, to me. That's the first step. You have to take an inventory of what you actually are doing and then compare it to what you would like to do. Now, no one I I can't tell you're going to get all the way over there, but I do think you can find a a happy medium. And that's what I'm looking for. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, Spencer, um, a couple more questions before I get to the fun questions and then we're going to close out. So um, in regards to being an empathetic leader, what do you think are the benefits to an organization when you're an empathetic leader? What are some of the benefits that come from that?
1: Um, I I mean, the the most obvious one, I think you you get diversity of thought, inclusion, um, which is the most important. We we all know that the more inclusive the organization is, the more profitable and more agile you are. Um, Those are really big ones. And, And I think, as I think through what it means to me, that also means that you're also developing your people. Because if you're empathetic and you're trying to understand your people, you're also trying to understand what's important to them, what drives them. Because those are the people that you empower. And, and that's where the creati- creativity comes from. So I think um, I, I can think of a single organization that would not thrive in, with that type of a culture. And at, at the end of the day, we know culture trumps everything else.
0: Absolutely. And, and that culture really comes from the direct leader. Um, right. the, the direct leader has such an influence over the culture of, within that team. And even the field within the organization, um, the leader absolutely drives that. Absolutely. And I
1: have to comment on that. I think that is an understatement. If you and, and again in the type of work that I'm doing now and and you're doing the same. I've worked for three organizational leaders, top person. I think they understand the impact of their actions, but do they really understand their impact, their individual impact on culture? It's much greater than what I think any of us could imagine. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's huge.
0: Yeah. I mean, you do have the saying that people don't leave companies, they leave their manager. And um, it's true. I mean, yes, sometimes people will leave organizations for obviously other reasons, but it definitely is influenced by the person's direct leader. It Mm -hmm. it absolutely is. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. And and
1: I'll tell you, it doesn't matter where you are, even when I worked in Japan, no different. The culture of the department, laddering up to the team, laddering up to the organization or the division, all was reflective of the leader every single time. Yeah,
0: yeah. Absolutely. All right, Spencer, I'm going to jump to a few fun questions. And I just want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready?
1: No, but go ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Remember, you're resilient. <laughs> you can right. come back. <laughs>
1: okay. Okay. All
0: right. First question is, what is your dream summer vacation?
1: Amalfi Coast. I uh-huh. love Italy. I haven't been there. I know you have.
0: Yes. But I w- and I have to add, I want to spend
1: like two or three weeks. I don't want to go for like seven days. I want to stay a while.
0: Okay. (laughs) It is very beautiful there. It is beautiful there. Um, What food could you never give up? Oh,
1: I've had to give up so many things over the years. Pizza, probably. Pizza,
0: (laughs) okay. It's
1: one of my problems. I have to work on it.
0: Do you have a favorite pizza place? You know what?
1: Um, Because of the pandemic, I make my own pizzas. That's one of the things that uh, my wife and I have begun doing together. Well, one, it's less calories so we can make our own. We do it in a healthy way. But uh, about once a week, we make our own pizza.
0: Okay. I love pizza too. That's one of my favorites. Last one. In what type of movie would you like to play the leading role and who would be your co-star?
1: Oh, that is a tough one. Um, Huh. The leading role. You know, I, Rocky, I, I'm a fan of Trilogy. So the Rocky Trilogy is by far my lifelong favorite Trilogy, hands down. I've seen it all. The Rocky yes, yes. Oh, okay. So, you know, I have to be some some type of an underdog and some type of a physical activity or, or sport. And I'd have to win at the end, of course. Okay. And, um, <laughs> you know, and who would be my co-star? That's a tricky question because, you know, you, you could have Rocky be your coach. So, you know, didn't have to be, you know, some pretty lady. That would be great too. But (laughs) if if I could have, you know, Rocky or, or, or maybe Apollo Creed or something like that, be my coach. That would be awesome.
0: Okay. Excellent. I didn't know that about you. That's good to know, Spencer. <laughs> I didn't know you loved <laughs> Baki.
1: Love it. Love it.
0: Love it. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so a couple more questions before we, we close out. We we touched on already a little bit about some of the benefits to the organization for being um, an empathetic leader, leading with empathy. I want to I want you to share a little bit more about what do you see the benefit to be for the leader themselves. Like what are some of the benefits of a leader being, um, leading with empathy?
1: To me, that's, that's the easiest part because if you're that type of leader, you are developing other leaders. So it answers a lot of the questions you're asking me. If I need more time, if I have better leaders, I can delegate. If, if, um, I'll go back to you if I still need more time and I need others to to step in for me. Others will want to step in for me because I'm an empathetic leader and then I'll understand the strength of my people and know where to plug them in over and above what they're already doing. Typically, like I said, when you think about in your mind, and I know you have your list of of who you would consider to be an empathetic leader, I don't think there was a lot you wouldn't do for them, willingly. And um, my current manager, something he says to me, and I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. He tells me this all the time. I'm not working. I'm having fun Hmm. because that is his authentic self. And I think when you're empathetic, you get closer and closer to being as authentic as you can be, as are those who are around you. And so when you get in a headspace where you're authentic as you can be and you have a team of people who are authentic as well and you're all very comfortable there's not a lot you can't do. Right.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, the person you're the you said your boss says that um they're not working, they're having fun. I mean, that that's great to have that sort of attitude and to have that sort of mindset. And I also really like what you said about as an leading with empathy, you're developing other leaders. So, what we talked about earlier about time, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you have people on your teams that are are leaders then that can really help with that creating more time in the day for you Mm -hmm. as a leader to do the things that you want to do, like strategize, think more, reflect. So some of those really important things that you need to do as a leader.
1: Yeah. And here's what I, what I would want to know. And I think about this a lot. I think about my successes and, and, and also my failures and for me, my failures have always been on the human side. What could I have done differently? What I, could I have said differently? What, what, how could I have looked at that differently? And I constantly ask myself those questions. And at the end of the day, what I want to know and figure out is, how do you, as a leader, dedicate more time to hands-on developing your people? Because I think that in the in the environments where I saw people thrive that were either working with me, that were my peers, or people I was working for, that was a key ingredient but it didn't happen often.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I, you know, we could we could almost just end on that note. But I'm not going to have a couple <laughs> more questions. But you know, it's so true, Spencer. It is so true. If when you have a leader that invests in you, right, and they help develop you, it's just it's it's magical. And and people are so inspired, and they stay with the organization. They they stay connected to those to those leaders as well, no matter where they go in their career. It's so mm-hmm. important. So I yeah. hope everyone who is listening to take action on that and make time in your day to develop your people. And, and so with that, Spencer, what are, it, what are your final thoughts regarding leading with empathy?
1: I think um, go out and just get uncomfortable. Start with that. Get uncomfortable. Take an inventory think about what you're doing with your time. I think we talked about that just a moment ago. Try something new, try and understand and get to know those around you, especially those who are most different and understand what motivates them and how you can help empower the people around you to grow and become stronger leaders. And I think in that you'll find the answers to many of the things that we discussed today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So my final question, Spencer, is what is your favorite quote and why?
1: Um, you know, I I knew you were going to ask me that, and I've said it already. And I think about you, um, because I've known you. How long have we known each other, by the way? You
0: um, know? since I've been at, uh, so close to five years, four and a half.
1: I think I think I think longer six at least. No, because I've been I, away four. Okay, All right. Yeah, four. Sure? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I think what I'm going to give you is be the change you want to see. And if I haven't heard you say that. I've seen you do it. Hmm. Oh, thank you. And so, yeah. And and, and I'm not saying it just because it's you, but I do think that the things that I'm most proud of are things that we, that have created. And maybe not, maybe hadn't have thought of it that way at the time, but we created the world we wanted to see. And even in the work I'm currently doing, the things that I struggle with, I'm still trying to create the world I want to see. That's Awesome.
0: I love that quote. Be the change that be the change that you want to see. I love yeah. it. Love it, Spencer. Well, Spencer, thank you so much for taking time to to be a guest on on my podcast. You have definitely shared a lot of great insight on on leading with empathy, and certainly I hope the list, listeners take action. There's a lot of great things that you can do to lead your team with empathy and have a positive impact on your organization and yourself personally. So, Spencer, thank you so much for taking time to share your insight I really appreciate it and I want to congratulate you on your success and wish you continued great success in the road ahead on the road ahead
1: well I, I want to say thank you first for doing this because it um, every time I have a conversation would do something like this it makes you go back and really reflect on what's important so thank you for doing it and I'm on a journey we're all on a journey and um, I know that we'll both continue and
0: what I hope is that we stay connected absolutely we certainly will Thanks, Vincent. Thank you.